he has this blowout week-long party and he rents out like 22 rooms at this resort. And he pays for the food and he pays for a dozen different flights for friends just to get them there and pays for everything a whole week. He spent most of his liquid net worth to pay for this. He literally had multiple times thought on the island while he was walking past people's rooms and it was like his relatives and his friends and the ocean and music and the food. He's like, this is what heaven must feel like. Hey, everyone. My name is Al Gugliotta, and I want to welcome you to The Unlearning Project. All right, Virginia, we're here, and we're talking about Die With Zero. Ooh. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a book I listened to by Bill Perkins and never heard of the guy. I've listened to so many books over the last, I mean, I probably have a PhD in self-improvement books. <laughs> I think My favorite I'm, type. <laughs> yeah, I, I just continue to listen to them and I go back to them and I, it's like, how many can you listen to, right? Yeah. If I probably put the half of these in practice, I'd have a... Oh, yeah. You'd have the most amazing life ever. <laughs> amazing, right? But I like to just listen to them and be like, oh, yeah, that would be a good point to try. And then I'll forget about it and move on to the next one, you know? Well, and then are some of them, like, they all meld together. Like, they have similar points or similar suggestions. And you're just kind of like, ah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it started out with the productivity thing and the efficiency thing and like how to make everything efficient and productive and no procrastinating and just push, push, push. I'm like, no more of that. I don't want to listen to that crap anymore. That's overkill. I have overkill on like the push, you know? (laughs) I think there's a time for that. There is. And then there's a time where you're like, all right, I've done that. Now I'm into like creating more space and time for myself. And Definitely. So yeah. yeah. So the creating more space thing or like the decides, geez, like I'll be 50 next year. Hmm. So fit five zero next year. <laughs> so, <laughs> not that I'm thinking about dying, but like die with zero, like stuck out. I'm like, oh, whatever. Like I do that little sample clip yeah. on Audible. Just listen to like five minutes of it. Okay. I'm like, all right, that sounded kind of interesting. And it's just a different take on the FIRE principle, like the oh yeah, financial independence, retire early. And he flips it on its head, basically saying that that's a whole fear-based principle that you're basically putting off all of your years to save this nest egg that you'll never spend through. Ooh. So basically you turn 60 or 65, which is like the normal age people retire, and now they have their massed wealth. Mm-hmm. They're scared to spend it. So they take little bits and pieces out here and there. The asset actually grows. And the next thing you know, you're 75, 80. Mm-hmm. Trying to spend it, maybe. Trying to spend it, but not even having the energy to spend it anymore. Oh. So that his whole point in the book is like, you're spending all the, like, the great years, the energetic years of your life. Mm-hmm doing nothing, accumulating for this end date where like now your health is, I don't want to keep talking about like health being on the decline. You just have less energy. Like you don't have the same energy at 75 than you did at 55. You just don't. Right. It's just a fact. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's anomalies out there, right? There's ladies that run a marathon at 85 or mountain climb or of course there's people that do stuff and they're active. Mm -hmm. You probably have grandparents that do stuff. 
anyway, the, the whole point being is that we're going to have less and less energy as time goes on. Right. So he talks about this idea of like your peak and not just peak earnings, but just like the peak of your health. Okay. And he's like, basically between your 20s and your 60s are when you're going to really do the majority of all the fun, adventurous things in your life. Mm. Doesn't mean you're not going to do things after 60. You are. But again, like I went surfing, like I'm not going to be surfing probably after 60. I'm not going to be doing anything crazy adventurous. You know what I mean? And then like the older you get, the harder it is to travel. You don't want to sit on a plane for 12 hours. It's just easier when you're younger, right? All these things. Definitely. So he starts talking about that. I'm like, okay. He like hooked me on that whole point. I'm like, you're right. Why, what am I waiting for? I'm going to be 50 next year. And I feel like I do a lot of stuff, but I always have this struggle. I have this struggle of like people had take two to four weeks off from work every year. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, maybe I get to take six to eight weeks. But I'm like, wait a second. The, the numbers still don't work out right because that means I still have 40 something weeks of work and mundane stuff. Right. So I'm always looking forward to times when I'm always looking forward to the minority of my time. Yeah. And I wanted to always flip that. And that that was like the pinnacle of retirement. Like retirement was like, it's all flipped around. Like, yeah, maybe now you spend four to six weeks doing, I don't know, going to the DMV to renew your insurance and all the mundane stuff takes four to six weeks of your life. And the rest of your life is just fun. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, yeah. Because we have this, I don't know, societal norm that it's, like you said, you work 50 weeks of the year and you're off two weeks of the year. But like, why does it have to be that way? Why can't you be off half of every month? Right. Or every other day or however you want to spin it. Like, why does it have to be that so much of your energetic years are committed to earning income or saving or yeah working. And yeah, he takes it a step further, like where he talks about money is just a tool for happiness. It's a tool for doing fun stuff. Absolutely. And if you're not spending it, then you're wasting it. Like, what's the point? You're going to leave it to your heirs. Why not leave it to your heirs while you're alive? Or like, if you mm-hmm. knew today that, all right, you're dying at 91 years old Now I got to make this roadmap from where I am now to 91, make sure that I have enough money for each day until 91. And then on that day, I freaking die and it's over and I have no money left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes it easy, right? Because now you know what to plan for. Mm -hmm. But we've taken this so far out of whack where we think that we need this giant nest egg and that the nest egg needs to like basically feed us and we can't touch the principle of it because we don't want to run out. And we're so scared to run out. Hmm. That nobody wants us spending it. Yeah. And this isn't nobody, but like most people that enter retirement at 60, 65 years old Mm -hmm. will not spend through their retirement money because they're scared to spend it. Yeah. And that's why people use products like annuities. They use an annuity because the insurance company is going to pay them an income that they're unwilling to pay themselves. So you're giving the money over to the insurance company. You're just like, listen, pay me 5% on whatever I give you for the rest of my life. I'll never give myself that much if I didn't use this annuity. Right. It's like a structured way to pay yourself. Yeah. And they're paying a hefty fee to the insurance company, like a 3% annual fee. The insurance company thing, you know. Yes. It's all disclosed up front. Like, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. They're happy. 
yeah, you're paying for the insurance. So the insurance, mm-hmm. and then I started to realize like all insurance is based on fear. Mm-hmm. Not that you shouldn't have insurance, not that you shouldn't have these things, but I started to realize like, wow. So like you're putting off all the best years of your life because you're in this fear mindset of, yeah. I won't have enough. I might run out. I won't have enough. I might run out. And then I know just like with my own clients, I'm like, yeah, they don't run out. If anything, they have more than what they ever had when they die. Right. So I'm like, that's freaking backwards, right? <laughs> it's messed up. I mean, up. it just seems like two completely opposite sides of the spectrum where somebody's basically accumulating money while they're supposed to be spending it down. Mm. And then they're spending all the vibrant years of their life accumulating this money and not yeah. using it because they're working 50 weeks a year. Right. So I start to realize, I'm like, how do you, and he, that's what he goes through in the book. I didn't think it was like the best book, but it just is very thought provoking. Yeah. And it got me, get my wheels spinning up like, oh, all right, there's a different way to do this. Yes. And there was one cool part in the book where, I mean, it's off the charts crazy. This guy basically, I assume he has a lot of money. He doesn't disclose how much money he has, but he, on his 45th birthday, he basically has this blowout week-long party in like St. Bart's, like a island in the Caribbean. Yeah. And he rents out like 22 rooms at this resort and he pays for the food and he pays for a dozen different flights for friends just to get them there and pays for everything a whole week. Mm-hmm. Even he gets Natalie Merchants, the lead singer of 10,000 Maniacs. Oh, uh, this is probably before your time. I don't know who that is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Never look up Natalie Merchant. Great singer back in, from my times, more like the 90s. Really good. He freaking gets Natalie Merchant to come to the island and play like this concert. Wow. The only thing he really discloses is that he spent most of his liquid net worth to pay for this 45. Like it's off the chart. Like I wouldn't do that. Wow. But I was like, holy crap. And then he starts talking about how it's literally the memory in his life that he literally had multiple times thought on the island while he was walking past people's rooms and it was like his relatives and his friends and the ocean and music and the food. He's like, this is what heaven must feel like. He's like, I had multiple times where I felt like that. I don't even believe in God or heaven or anything, but like, I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And he's like, now it's five years later, I'm 50. And like, I just continue to think about this trip and like my friends continue to talk about it. It's like a memory burnt for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, That's what I was thinking is that forever, your friends and family and whoever you invited or whoever even knew about it is going to like talk about that trip and assimilate that event with you, with like your giving ability, your generosity. Generosity, contribution. Yeah. Yes. They're going to forever pair you, your generosity and that trip and the feelings they had while they were there. Right. All together. And you're immediately just ingrained into their mind as this fun, giving, generous, awesome person who paid probably thousands and thousands of dollars just to have me join you on an island for a week or whatever it was. That's awesome. And he was saying like, and the funny quib that he has about after he talks about like what he did, he's like, I could have spent my 45th year old birthday sitting at a countertop looking at my IRA statements and account balances. <laughs> like what? So literally like when, he, when it comes down to it, yeah, he spent a shitload of money. God knows how much. It had to be like, I don't even know. I don't yeah. even try to project, Like 50 grand or something More at least. than that. Yeah, if not more. Way yeah. more. 
anyway, so, and yeah, like the alternative was like, you could have looked at this account balance, continue to grow. <laughs> Again, this is what I battle with. Yeah, and this is probably what a lot of people would battle with. Nobody would spend that kind of money. Now, nobody I know. <laughs> it depends on your means, right? Everybody's got limited right. financial resources. Everybody does. Right. All different levels. But what are you willing to do? Like, so when you start to think about the four to six weeks of vacation or whatever you do during the year, it just started making me realize I'm like, wow, I'm not nearly doing enough. Mm -hmm. And not in a way where I was like, oh man, you got such a boring life. And like, it wasn't a competitive thing. And it wasn't a feeling of, I don't know, like in a rush to take life by the horns or, you know what I mean? It wasn't like this, like, okay. oh shit, I'm running out of time. I got to hurry up and do it was more like you could do a lot more stuff. Yeah. And that constant like drip of worry in the back of your mind that probably everybody has regarding, am I going to run out? Am I going to be old and have like big medical bills? And then that's going to wipe me out. I'm going to die poor. And then all these like horror stories that you have in your head of what might happen. Yeah. All the fear-based stuff. The what ifs. Well, yeah. because I think in general, the majority of the population it is true that they don't know to save, know to establish their 401k or whatever, or even just to contribute true. enough, early enough. So sometimes that fear is very real and it's very tangible and quite possible that they could end up in a bad situation. That's a great point to actually put this in context too. He's definitely talking about people that have kind of done most of the right things. Yeah. Nothing crazy, but like I've saved their life, you know, saved for many years. I've done the right things. Right. It's not for people that don't have any savings. And yeah, obviously you need money to do this, but. Yeah. But I think it is refreshing. Okay. So first the fire, like financial independence, retire early. Yeah. I think. There has been a lot of fluctuation in that space because at first it was a very strong like scrimp and save, don't go anywhere, live with a roommate, don't buy a car, don't budget, do budget. anything, budget, budget. Yeah, like yeah. super, super tight so that you can save some crazy percentage of your income. 50, 60 percent. Yeah. Even higher too. Some people can, I can't even believe it, but yeah. Yeah. And you're just living like a mouse. Not if you have kids. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And that kind of factors into it too. Like don't get married, don't have kids, don't do this, don't do that, da, da, da. So that right. you're just like living. You're a monk. Practically. So that yeah. you could save enough. And then when you reach a certain point, that's where the retire early thing came in. Right. Where then, okay, I've met this number. Now for the rest of my life, I can just like work when I want and I can live off of this set, whatever percentage income. Yep. So people got into that and were like, this is crazy. I can't live like that. So that's where you got all these new various levels of fire. Fat, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Coast, coast fire. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there's all these different levels and different definitions. And so I think people did try to say, okay, this is crazy. Like I still want to live my life, but I still want to achieve financial independence at like a reasonable age. Mm -hmm. And then that's where the definition for this group of retire became not just retire that you're never going to work again, but retire from the hustle, whether it be a corporate right. job or working day in and day out on your own business. But it could be 
retire as in, well, now I work what I want and I take jobs that I want Mm -hmm. and I have flexibility because I have this income coming from my investments. Well, like the FU money kind of thing. It's sort of like, I mean, obviously it's crass, but you'd say FU to any project you don't want. Yeah. Or a boss that you don't want. You're not obligated. You don't want or Mm -hmm. right. You basically, you choose your life basically. Yeah. Well, and I do think though, that some people started to realize, and that leads into the concept of, I think this book where if you create this massive nest egg before you're 30, I mean, what's it going to do? Just sit there and grow for 60 years while you live. And sure, you're <laughs> taking a little bit at a time. Right. But you're still going to end up with this mass amount of money that you nearly died for the first 30 years of your life. Yeah. And then you're still living like a somewhat conservative lifestyle. So you're not spending it. Right. And then what? You pass it on to your ears and they all have taxes that they have to pay because you say that. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And your heirs don't like it. You start to think about that. I don't want to leave a big lump sum to kids. Mm -hmm. It's not good for that. Most of the time, at least from what I read and what I've seen in my life, it's not good for kids not to work for what they have. I mean, I'm not saying don't help them, but no, don't give them some windfall. When you die and and you're giving it to him when you die, it's like, why not give it to him while you're alive? Exactly. And I don't know that there's a term for it, but there's this entire bucket of people that are like, no, I want to spend money on my kids, on my family, on their families with them. Like, let me pay for everyone, 20 people to go on an Alaskan cruise. Yeah. Or like this guy did this crazy party. Right. Or whatever. But Get a beach house. Yeah. Like when my kids are parents and they have young kids and things are tough, like maybe I can pay for them to go on vacation or maybe I can help fund Montessori since I know that was like a big expense for us. Yeah. But yeah, there's that thing where you're sharing an experience and helping them afford something that was hard for you. Right. At the same time, you're getting to participate in their life and create memories and do things that you wouldn't yeah. have if you weren't able to share your money in that way. Yes. I think a lot of the things we've learned in this like fire kind of movement, that 4% rule thing, mm-hmm. are so ultra conservative that mm-hmm. we, and we've just taken them as basically law. Like that's law, 4%. Yeah. Don't take more than 4%. And then you start to realize like, all right, well, wait a second. If just a moderate portfolio, again, I'm not even a math guy, but I just do the quick math in my head. I'm like, everybody says 10%. That's what the market's done over time. Let's just say eight, you get seven or 8%, right? Mm-hmm. Why would you not? And this is without touching principle. And I get inflation. We could talk about that. Let's skip over the inflation thing. Yeah. So you're going to take a 4% out, but you're going to get an 8% return on your money. Obviously, your nest egg is going to grow at that. And I know it doesn't happen every year. And I know that this is a long-term average. Put everything in context here. But 4% is way too low. I mean, you should be doing just to break even, you should be taking 8%, right? Right. Obviously, there's fluctuations. They call it sequence return risk, that if you do it, in a down market. I get it. There's a lot of different factors here, but this book made me realize that I'm not spending way near enough money. (laughs) And you want to front load your spending when you're young. Mm -hmm. 
which for whatever reason we don't do. We just automatically mm-hmm. think we got to be like these hoarders and we got to front load all of this money to like save. Right. And this book just showed me like, no, you got to start front loading. I mean, not that you got to do crazy extravagant things, but go do what you want to do. Yeah. And that it's okay to be generous with your money because there's going to be plenty. And I think that's like the scarcity mindset versus, Mm -hmm. I guess, maybe the abundance mindset or whatever is just like, there's always more money out there. Yeah. So enjoy it, experience it, invite your friends, let your kids invite their friends, like quit being so, I don't know, scared that it's gonna vanish in front of your face. (laughs) I think when I started to realize that the numbers aren't making really much sense, at least in my own financial situation, is when Mm -hmm. I I look at my account in a day, like it'll fluctuate because I have more risky investments than other people do. Yeah. It'll fluctuate orders of magnitude more than I would ever spend on a vacation. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, on any given day, I've just lost enough money to buy a few vacations, like really nice vacations. Right. And on the flip side, too, you know, yeah. I've gained enough money or I've lost enough money so that I just wiped out five vacations within a day. Right. And I'm starting to realize, I'm like, wait, these numbers aren't matching. I have this like set, I don't know, dollar amount in my head. And I'm more worried about like going to a restaurant and dropping a hundred bucks on a bill for food. Yeah. But like not five grand on like a really like a nice vacation. Yes. Like nothing is like literally, and I'm a finance guy. So if I don't know the number, like if the numbers don't even make sense to me or I'm so far out of whack with my interpretation of amounts and how they, you know what I mean? Yes. And how those amounts affect you. It's, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's like you're offended at the gas pump because it's over 50 bucks to fill up your tank and you're so offended. But over here for this vacation to cost five grand, you're okay with that. So it's like. Right. Which. Yeah. (laughs) I'll drop like $300 on like a really nice massage at like some resort. Yeah. But I'm driving five extra miles to get 15 cents off a gallon of gas. Like you're saying like. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Like a lot of the things that I do, and I'm aware of this stuff. I think I am. So that the book flipped this whole thing where I'm like, oh, all right. So I got, I have until like, it's not a deadline, but I feel like from now until 65 is like, they call it the go-go years. Yeah. You got to do all the things you want to do. And you've said that recently, like now is the time I got to do the hikes. I got to do the vacations. I got to do all this like physical stuff that I want to do. Especially the physical. Right. Because I can't see myself doing that when I'm 65. Right. Or not to the extent, at least, you know, more mellow things, right? Right. It'll be harder. Yeah. And I've thought the same way. So I'm approaching 40. We're about 10 years off of each other here. Yeah. But I've thought about that too. Like, hey, if I picture myself and want to be this lady that runs 5Ks every so often and is fit and strong and like obviously physically well, Mm -hmm. now is the time. Like, what am I waiting for? (laughs) There's no reason to wait. (laughs) So I think that's the mental switch that we're talking about from this book is that you start to realize that your mind just thinks of like time as being limitless. Mm -hmm. It's the same mentality we had when we were 20. Like when you're 20, you just don't even think about time. Like the future is just forever, right? Yes. And then you read a book like this and you start to think about it and you're like, it's not even remotely forever. Right. <laughs> like it's slowly like creeping up. 
And like, it's happening right underneath our nose and people wake up and they are 65 and they're like, what the fuck just happens? Like, yeah. what, did what did I do, I do with, with my, my life? life? <laughs> they do. They do all the time. And they'll all say it. You'll hear them say it. Like if you talk to older people, not that 65 is old, older people. Yeah. They'll say it. They're like, oh, it goes by in a flash. Oh, I don't know where it went. I still feel mm-hmm. like I'm 18. I can't believe when I look in the mirror. It's on and on about like how old they are, right? Yeah. It's because they didn't live. It's like they didn't have a chance to. They thought they were in this paradigm Yeah. that we, the Western culture has. Like, go, we're in go-go time. We got to- Work, work, work. Work, Dave. You got to golden mm-hmm. years. Look at those pamphlets with the people with the gray hair kayaking and canoeing on some lake and they're all smiling with nice white shiny teeth. Yeah. And the reality is that's not your retirement future necessarily. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You're saving it up for what? Yeah. I feel like what a disappointment that would be. Mm -hmm. Like you finally get to 65, you saved whatever, you saved a couple million bucks. Mm -hmm. You finally made it. And then like you got uh, diabetes and your hip being on, I need a hip replacement. Yeah, you know, I'm like, fuck. I'm like, who the hell wants to live like that? <laughs> well, that's same thing. I mean, we just recently got back from a vacation. And prior to it, when we were booking everything, my husband was like, oh my God, how much is this? Like, this is insane. And I did all of this stuff ahead of time where I was points hacking different cards uh-huh. and we got free flights and we got discounted tickets. We did all this crazy stuff. It was amazing. Yeah, you hustled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in addition to having like a specific savings account, money's getting funneled into that very consistently. So you got your cash spending there. Right. So that like everything's taken care of because I do not want to go on a vacation and be like, oh, it's a hundred bucks for this tab. Oh my God. You know, and I don't. Yeah. No, no. hundred bucks. Slam it down. Let's go. You know, like. Exactly. That's what we came here for. Right. Yes. I'm not here to like be worried about nickels and dimes. I'm here to like enjoy the hell out of this vacation. But it was so interesting. I think I'm a lot like you where I've at least listened to or read the books Mm -hmm. and I've been doing a lot of the work and my husband is still very ingrained in that, for lack of a better word, like scarcity kind of mindset. Mm. And so every little thing he was like, oh, lemon chills or how much money? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's freaking frozen lemonade. Why is it $7? And I'm like, who cares? You're in Disney. Buy two of them, whatever. This is what it is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Disney's, everything's double, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yes, for one, I had done the math and done the savings and knew kind of what to expect. And maybe Mm -hmm. it was a little bit of shock for him. But at the same time, throughout our trip, I reminded him, hey, I saved for this. Right. Spend the money. I don't care. What do you want? You want a funnel cake? Go get one. Like, whatever. Like, I don't care. Yeah. This isn't a time to, like, be chintzy or, like, this isn't frugal time. Like, frugal time is when we're saving up for it. Now it's time to splurge, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so throughout the trip, there was multiple times where I kind of had to remind him and nudge him, like, don't worry about it. Pay it. Like, do it now. Like, especially so at Disney with the app. We bought special tickets so that we could jump lines and do whatever. Yeah, the fast track stuff or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's some that you can pay for additionally. 
that are not included with your ticket that you can jump lines. Okay. And so this one ride, that was the only way you could do it unless you wanted to wait like two hours. Yeah. And of course, we didn't want to wait because there again, I'm looking at this like, no, our time is valuable. I want to like get on, get a ride, go get a lemon chill, you know, go to the next thing, see a show. Like, I don't want to spend my day waiting in line. Hell no. This is valuable to me. Like, I want to experience it. I'm willing to pay for this experience. And just at one point, he was like on the phone. He's like, it's $60 for all of us. And I'm like, so what? Push it. Do it. Push the damn button. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was like, I don't know, like watching a child grow or something. It was like this process throughout our trip. And you could tell as the trip progressed, he was relaxing a little bit more with each like reassurance of like, pay the tab, like give them 20 bucks extra, do this, do, you know. Right. We're here for convenience and for pleasure, right? So we're not here to like be suffering to save money, right? Yeah. I hear you. And I was like doing the mental math and saying like, look, we could spend this much per day. We're only spending this much per day. Even if we spent double tomorrow, we still wouldn't overdo our budget. Like we're doing great. And I just had to keep reminding him of that. And it was just such an interesting experience. And then as it's going along, he's already kind of saying, well, next time we come, we should do (laughs) this. And so I was like, oh, I got you. (laughs) Yeah, remember this. Yeah, burn this in your memory. Yeah, I got you now. So I think slowly but surely he's coming around and starting to kind of shift and say like, yeah, we need to do this these types of experiences now, spend the money now, enjoy this with our kids, pay for the extra pictures, do whatever. Yep. Because you're not going to get that time back. You're not going to get that age or those young years of your kids back. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to get ahead of those. Like I'm listening to you talk and I'm putting myself (laughs) into your husband's place where I'm like, it's just like my instinct, my knee-jerk reaction if I'm buying a lemonade and it's freaking 10 bucks, I'm like, no, there's no way it's $10. Exactly. But then you're like, I'm like, it's fucking $10, right? I mean, come <laughs> exactly. on. Is that like going to change your life in any way? Yeah. Get the damn lemonade so that it quenches your thirst and this Orlando heat. And enjoy the hell out of that lemonade. I know. Maybe it's the best lemonade you ever had in your life. Like, who cares? Right. Or maybe it sucks and it was 10 bucks and you just throw it out. <laughs> And I've wasted more money on worse things. Yes. So whatever. That's right. I think you're right. It's a mentality. Like you said, it's like that kind of deprivation mindset of like, Mm -hmm. I'm always depriving myself. And if I ever splurge, that's a waste. And I can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's such a strange thing. And like the way this guy talks in this book, this guy, Bill Perkins, it's different than any way I ever heard anybody speak in a book regarding money. Okay. Like Even the most liberal people when it comes to like spending your money. This guy goes further. Mm. I mean, that one story about his 45th was a one, but he talks about the actual numbers of it and how much less it would cost for people to live the way they want to live. Mm. We think it costs so much more. You know what I mean? And like, we're always so scared of worst case scenarios. So going back to that 4% rule, that 4% rule was created literally like they went through, what was it? Almost a hundred years, maybe a little less, 80 years of past market returns. Mm -hmm. And they tested every rolling 10-year period, every, like every period. They wanted to make sure that this survived the worst times to retire. Yeah, depressions, recessions, all the things. Right, the worst case scenario. So now Mm -hmm. you're basing 
what you're able to withdraw and enjoy mm-hmm. on the worst case scenario that ever happened in history. Right. And I start to realize, I'm like, is that a good way to do things? Is it good to like now deprive yourself to the point where you're protecting against every yeah. possible downside? Like, is that? So it's like we need the same study, but done on the best case scenario of all of those same years and see right. what that percentage is. Like, what is that percentage? 16%? Right. And then why don't we meet in the middle and say, okay, four is worst case, 16 is best case. Pull somewhere in the middle of that. It's like we need... Or be flexible at least, right? So yeah. maybe adjust from year to year, figure out where you're at and readjust. Or yeah. I think everything revolves around this worst case scenario because it totally taps into human beings. What if... Mm-hmm. catastrophizing kind of like mm-hmm. mentality when it comes to money. I want to know the worst case scenario. And then I'm only taking that small amount out that I know that out of like a million different scenarios, it never failed to work. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm a million different scenarios. Do you really need a million different scenarios to like <laughs> to make you feel comfortable? Well, and I think most of us, at least you, me, my husband, most friends have all come from a family or a background that didn't have as much as what we all have now. Very true. Whether it be opportunity and job access or actual finances. And so that fear is kind of ingrained like from Mm -hmm. childhood, just knowing the way that you used to live, the way that your family had to live. Yeah. And that fear that you don't want to end up in that same place. Right. And so it makes sense. It's going to be hard to reverse that. And we all know the people on the flip side too, right? Yeah. So we know the people that are spendthrifts and like they never have any money and they'll never will have any money because that's all they do is Mm -hmm. spend everything they got as soon as it cuts. So it's like, you don't want to be that person, obviously, but we would never be that person. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. It's like, we're worried about being a person that we would never be. Mm. And so with that fear in mind, we're just unwilling to really tap into like the resources that would better our lives. Yeah. And again, the timing of it regarding this book is that's what kind of shook me too, is that this times to all this. Yes. You know, like this giant nest egg is not going to serve you at 80. It's just not. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do at 80? Like, you're going to want to probably watch some TV and hopefully if you're in good shape, you go for a walk. Like, you're not going to be like jet setting around the world. I don't think you are. I mean, I don't think I, who knows, maybe you will, but like, I'm just thinking I want to do that stuff younger. So it makes so much sense to front load a lot of your money and resources now. Right. Again, I don't think of myself as next year being 50, but that's a real number. And that's like, that's a passive, (laughs) like middle age if I'm a hundred, right? So, (laughs) so it's not, I don't think of myself that way. No, I don't think anybody else does either. No. And I think these years just creep up and creep up. And then you're like, holy shit, I wasted my life. Right. I think that's the biggest fear. And my biggest fear in all this. I think that's a bigger fear than running out of money. And that's the other point he makes. He said, everybody's so worried about running out of money. Your biggest fear should be like wasting your life. Mm. I was like, oh. So we're so concerned with like not running out of money that we'll just waste our entire lives to accumulate enough. So that we, quote unquote, don't run out of money. It's like, great, we didn't run out of money, but we didn't do anything. Right. Like there's no badge of honor for dying with <laughs> cash still in the bank. He says that in the book. It's funny. He's like, it doesn't say on anybody's tombstone what their net worth was. They don't say that. Nobody gives a shit. 
True. Like if you have $5 million of your net worth or like 500,000 or zero, like who cares? You're dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is that some kind of accomplishment or? Ugh. I started really thinking about and just so many fun things you could do with money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, money gives you options. And not being superficial, just you can use it for a lot of fun things. And I could list them all. Yeah. A whole laundry list of stuff that I would not only travel, but just like daily living, like just buying good food and getting massages and getting the best health care and the best trainers and mm-hmm. exercise, and free time. And money does a lot, mm-hmm. gives you a lot of flexibility as far as quality of life. Yeah, it gives you options. If there's something that would make your life better that you could pay for. Right. Why not pay for that and just be happier? Right. But I think there's a, at least for me, there's a little bit of guilt in there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Of like, "Eh, well, I don't need a massage every week. Maybe like once every six months. (laughs) Why do I need a massage once every... Why deprive yourself? (laughs) Because that was like the badge of honor. And that's the way you accumulated. That's the way you got from point A to point B. So that's the way we grew was we conserved and we basically put stuff off and we delayed gratification and just everything was a sacrifice, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're not sacrificing, then you're not growing. So you almost attribute growing to like, you have to sacrifice to grow, right? Right, right. So that makes me think of that phrase, what got you here won't get you there. That's a great, phrase for this point of life, right? Because now you're readjusting all of that by saying like, oh, I don't need to, like we started this podcast, you don't need to push anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't need all those self-help books to tell me this is how it makes things more efficient. This is how you get more done in a day. And this is how you combat procrastination and whatever. Like there's a million of those books and I've read Mm -hmm. probably most of them. I bet. (laughs) But they just don't appeal anymore. Like I listen to them and I'm like, all right, that was for a stage of my life. And Mm -hmm. Now it's more of like the unwinding of like, all right, how do you like really like now sit back, enjoy and relax into your life and enjoy the resources that you've accumulated? Right. I think that's the tricky part because what he tries to talk about again, 20 to 60, those are like the prime years of your physical health. Right. And that's where you're really going to do most of, you know, the stuff that requires you to be in peak physical health. Yeah. That gives me essentially 11 more years. Yeah. Which is a lot of time. It is, but it's good to be aware of, right? Absolutely. I mean, at least you aren't having this realization at 60 because then you'd be like, oh, shit, I only have five years. Like, oh, man, exactly. (laughs) Right. I don't think people think about this stuff. Yeah. So for some reason, my brain is going to this like visualization thing where Mm -hmm. I'm picturing it like the sun, what the sun does in a day. Like you've got your morning sunrise. And then you've got those peak hours, which I guess for our years is like from 20 to 60. So for the strongest sun, right? Yeah. And then your sunset. And so, yeah, those like early years from zero to 20, you're learning, right? You're primarily just in school, maybe get your first job or two. Yeah, struggling, trying to make your way in the world, make your mark in some way. Absolutely. Find your place. And a lot of people that carries all the way through up until 30 years old by the time you feel like, okay. I got some kind of foothold. I own my first home and yeah, I've had a consistent job and I established a 401k and I did these things. Mm -hmm. 
And even at that point, when I look back and I think about like where I was at 30, and I feel like I was a pretty responsible individual, like even in those younger years, like 20 to 30. But even at that point, if you would have told me, all right, this is where your prime years start, you need to spend and enjoy your life, I'd be like, spend what? I don't have anything. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This is the paradox, right? Yeah. Only lately, within the past few years, has that real abundant feeling started. Mm-hmm. And some of it's because of focus and books and, you know, starting your own business and getting your finances straight. And like, there's building blocks to get here. And I'm almost 40. So like, mm-hmm. it's just such a mindset shift. But yeah, if you think about it from like a sunrise, then like right now it's midday kind of for both of us. Yeah, this is the time to enjoy And then I guess after 65 is more of like evening and sunset kind of hours. Yeah. I don't really think of it like everything just drops off and like your body goes to body and mind go to shit at that point. No, 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 it's just a different way of referencing, like you said, like the timeline of your life. Mm -hmm. It just makes sense that the middle years are where you have the most energy. Yeah. And he makes a comment that like every dollar as you get older has less value. Mm-hmm. So like a dollar spent now has more value than a dollar spent when you're 80. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, right? Because what are you going to really enjoy with money more so than you would enjoy it now? You know what I mean? Right. So some people might take that literally that's like inflation. A dollar is worth less later. But then there is oh, that's the actual like enjoyments of it. Yeah. Like the factor of like what that dollar could mean or do for you now. Right. Like just knowing from, you know, again, I've talked about my mom many times in this podcast, but like her last five years, not only did she not know what money was, but she definitely didn't enjoy money. Mm-hmm. Like money was like immaterial. Mm-hmm. So it didn't mean anything. Like it just, it made no sense. Like you can't do it. You know, she wasn't physically capable of doing anything. Once you're not physically capable of doing anything, I don't know. I mean, I guess money helps as far as making you comfortable or like physical therapy or Mm -hmm. whatever quality of life. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, different ways to look at all of this stuff. Even thinking about like our recent trip, there was a moment a few months back where we were like, oh, well, maybe my mom or his mom and dad or Mm. like somebody can come with us to whatever. And we kind of stopped right there, like at the end of that sentence, because we were like, they aren't physically able. That's a tough trip for older people. Yeah. And so that just is the thought of like, man, they're only like mid 70s. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at them hoping that we're not in that kind of shape when we're that age. Right. We're hoping we're a little bit better off. And it's definitely nothing that they've done wrong or whatever. Sure. It's just like they're just not that agile. (laughs) Super health conscious, right? They're not yogis. Yeah, they're just, their health is not good. And every time I turn around, they have a doctor's visit or surgery or something is going on. They don't walk well. And then of course, while we were there, you're seeing all those little motorized scooters with people on them. And I'm like, oh, they could have done that. I didn't even think about it. But then I sit there and I kind of look at some of those people and I'm like, I don't know how I mean, sure, maybe their feet don't hurt, but maybe their butt hurts from sitting in that chair all day. (laughs) Right, they got to transfer from that to like a van or to like, it's still like effort. Yeah, it's a long day for older people. And I just didn't think that 
at this age and stage of their lives, even though Disney with grandkids may sound appealing. Yeah. It just, it wouldn't work for them. Yeah. And it just makes you really think like, man, what am I going to be like at that age? Am I going to be able to enjoy things with my grandkids? And Right. It does. And do you see your parents, your husband's parents spending money more so than they would be spending when they were in their 50s now? You know what I mean? Like their lifestyle more expensive now than it was? I'm not sure if their lifestyle is more expensive because they do seem fairly frugal. But ever since I can remember, like when we visit, we're always trying to tell them like, you know, you don't have to cover our tab. Like we would like to cover your tab sometimes. And they kind of give us some pushback and they're always trying to like pay for our meals and stuff, which is super nice. And I'm always very thankful. Right. That's what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes I do look at that and say like, this is their way of kind of sharing the wealth and spending money on us while they're here with us. Right. Absolutely. Makes them feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a piece of me that's like, well, what if they need that money for like medical <laughs> stuff or whatever? Like, I don't want to, I want them to be buying my pizza while they actually need a surgery or something yeah. or they'll need a surgery in a few years, whatever it is. So, yeah. Then it goes back into that fear loop. Mm-hmm. That's one of also the points that he kind of goes over. He's like, when you turn 60, 65, 65 especially because you get you're qualified for Medicare. Mm-hmm. People are so worried about these giant medical expenses. And I'm sure there are expenses, but nine times out of 10, like big major expenses are covered by a Medicare type program. Mm-hmm. So the fears that you have of like losing your nest egg or like really going into debt or you're really like crumbling your retirement because of some kind of medical expense are like unfounded. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because most of it is covered. Yeah, you will have bills. Yeah, you know, it's not, but you're not going to have a $100,000 bill for staying in the hospital. It's going to be covered. Right. So you don't think about stuff. And so I think a lot of times we try to overcompensate for things that aren't even a potential hazard. Yeah. We're worried about this thing that will never happen. Like, it's just not something that's even rational. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, nope, we just need more money. Why do you need more money? I don't know. Just need more. Just in case. More, yeah, just in case, <laughs> rainy day. It might rain every day. It might flood. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, need flood insurance. Exactly. Like, it's just everything's just a caution. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really trying to like get away from that whole, mm-hmm. that fear mindset of everything's a caution. Like, everything's a cautionary tale. Everything you have to be on guard. Man, it's just not a good way to like live your life. So, this book, would you say, was drastically different from most other self-help or financial books that you've read? Or, I mean, obviously it stuck out to you because that's why you wanted to talk about it today. But yeah, share a little bit more. So like, say if there's a listener or somebody that really does enjoy self-help books, kind of like you and I do. Yes. What would be the real enticing thing that you're like, you really need to read this book? I think it's for people that are in a situation where you don't have to be financially well off. If you are financially well off, it's good. It's a good book for that. Mm-hmm. If you're on a good trajectory financially, I think it's a good book for that. But if you're struggling financially, probably not the right book. Mm-mm. It's not going to really hit home for you. It's just not where you're at. Yeah. And you'll read it probably if you're struggling and think like this is impossible. Yeah. It might be a little daunting yeah. or like a little intimidating or yeah, discouraging. Mm-hmm. And I like the way he talks about the peak how we all have this sort of like peak 
when it comes to like our net worth, when it comes to our income, when it comes to our health, when it comes to like just our life vibrancy, like there's a mm. peak, like everybody hits a peak, hmm. but nobody really thinks about it. And we just sort of stay on this autopilot. And once you're on the autopilot, like it goes back to like our previous episode, the bubble, you get in this bubble. Yeah. And then you don't get out of that bubble until one day they have a health scare or you lose your job or you have to retire at some points. And you're like, oh, shit, what happened? What did I do with my life? Where where to go? What yeah. are, you know, like what happens? So it's funny. It's like, I don't feel like I do any of this stuff. I feel like if anything, I lean towards what he's saying, but like not even anywhere near as drastic as he said is possible in the book. Right. And I was like, is it really that possible? Like to do what he's saying? Like, it seems a little bit precarious, like the way he's, can you really spend all this money and you really should be front loading this when you're younger? Mm -hmm. And the more I read it, because I read it a couple of times or listened to it a couple of times, mm -hmm. it just started sinking in. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like every year I get older <laughs> and I get older and you get older and everybody gets older and we don't think about it, right? Yeah. We don't really think about it. We think about it on our birthday. Right. Right. I mean, or, or like even the month that your birthday's coming or. Sure. Yeah. Maybe if you're planning a birthday trip or something, then you think about it, you're like, oh, damn. Like, what? Yeah. You don't have that deliberate. I don't know. You just don't live deliberately in that way. Life just goes on and you just keep going and you're on autopilot and. Yeah. You don't really come up for air. So. So maybe that's the phrase that living deliberately in a way that you're taking advantage of those prime years and that prime level of spending power and yeah enjoyment that you could have using the money right. that you have. Absolutely. And front-loading it and mm -hmm. being okay with spending that money. That's the tough part. I mean, it's one thing to have the money to spend, but then it's a whole other thing to spend that money. Yeah. For whatever reason, it makes us feel warm and fuzzy to look at an account or look at a balance. Be like, oh, my balance is so nice and fluffy and I don't want to spend it and dip into that because that takes away from my cozy, warm feeling. And he's like, no, fucking start spending it and do it quick and stuff because you're always, you're going to get to a point where you're at a critical mass where now your assets will continue to grow and you won't be able to spend it. Mm. I'm like, whoa, like mm. I didn't think that was even possible. So mm. that's kind of what summed it up for me. We overestimate what we need. Fear makes us think that we need more mm -hmm. and we just have to like literally live deliberately, be aware of this stuff and like do it, like literally do it even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Spend that money, book that vacation, go to that nice restaurant, treat yourself to that massage, do whatever it is. Get the whole family at a beach house or right. Yeah. Do something a little off the charts that you're uncomfortable with. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, the Dave Ramsey guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he got this baby steps. Like, he talks about that stuff a lot, too. And he's one of the most frugal guys. A lot of times he has people call into a show that have like millions of dollars and they're in their 60s. And they're like, Dave, you know, I've saved my whole life. And, you know, the wife wants to go on this cruise and blah, 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 blah. And like, I just don't feel comfortable spending that kind of money. And like, Dave will just be like, listen. How much do you feel comfortable spending? And the guy would be like, maybe for the whole trip, like $4,000. He's like, I want you to spend eight. Tomorrow you get online, you spend $8,000 and you get the nicer room and you get this, and you get. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's that kind of like, I think I have to be like my own Dave Ramsey in that moment. <laughs> just like, just do it. You're not going to regret it. Yeah. And I agree. Like, I want to build on that because 
Dave Ramsey does have a bad rap with a lot of people because it's like save budget, baby steps, da, 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 yeah. rice and beans and um, all that. Right. But he does that. It's just like everything we talk about. There is a phase and a time and a purpose for those rice and beans moments. Yep. So that and it goes along with the fire movement. It's mm-hmm. the rice and beans so that you can live it up later once you've established all of the foundation principles and savings accounts and all of that. Yeah. And then it's at that point where you have saved. It's just like what I was telling my husband on the vacation. I planned for this money is set aside for this for no other purpose. Right. Blow it. Yeah. Time to blow. Right. (laughs) Enjoy. Right. This is the time. Because then (laughs) if you don't do it now, then you're right back to like the daily grind and you've never done. Then what? And then what is the fun of booking a vacation? Just picture yourself, right? Like, all right, I got the cheap room (laughs) and I'm going, I've got a list of the five cheapest restaurants and yeah, whatever else. Taking the bus, taking the public transportation for a dollar to get to the restaurant, I'll sweat on a bus. So what is that experience Versus the experience where you spent a few hundred more or maybe a thousand more or whatever the number is. Yeah, whatever your means is. Yeah. And then imagine how you feel in both scenarios. Yeah. Which one is the vacation you want? Clearly the more expensive one, right? Because then you've got the hell yeah experience. You order whatever you want at the restaurant, ease of transportation. Things are set up for you. Maybe you used a travel agent so that things are smooth from each transition throughout the trip. Right. You've got the comfy bed and the nice suite. It's worth it. Yeah. Even if you had to scrimp and save to get there, when you get there, then it's worth it. And let yourself have it. Yes. Just do it and don't do it with guilt. Yes. And enjoy it. Because then you then you ruin it. Yeah, you ruin it if like you're worried about it, right? Exactly. How do you enjoy something if you're worried? Yeah. And that's where my mind went too, was like, the vacation that's actually not any fun because mm-hmm. you're stressed and worried and scrimping and saving the whole time and then pissed because you have to ride the bus and things aren't lined up for you. So you're scheduling things yourself and you're worried about the tab everywhere you go and all of that. That's no fun. That's yeah. not a vacation. It's not fun. It's not. And, you know, sometimes when you're on a budget, I mean, maybe that has to be the case. Right. But the goal should always be to plan well and get to a point where you can blow it and not worry and have fun yeah, and not be stressed during the vacation. Very true. And we're just vacation, but like there's other, you use the massage scenario. You can use any thing that you would buy for yourself, even if it's just something like a maid service at your house. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you going to be pissed that you have to clean toilets each week or are you going to pay somebody to do it and go enjoy your life? Go for a walk while they're cleaning the toilets, whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) There's people that can do all the menial tasks. Again, it comes down to dollars and cents. If you're making 50 bucks an hour Mm -hmm. and you're hiring somebody for 20 bucks an hour, it makes sense Mm because you make 50 bucks an hour. If you're only making 20 bucks an hour and you're paying somebody 20 bucks, maybe it's not worth it at that point. But there comes a point in your life where your finances, you can start paying for more of the conveniences of life. Mm -hmm. I think that's what a lot of it is. It's not products. It's not like things. It's like a lot of it's services, just conveniences, things like you're just 
farming it out. Like you do that. I don't want to do that. I want to enjoy my weekend. I don't want to spend three hours cleaning toilets and getting (laughs) on my hands and knees and washing floors. Yeah. And there is a time for that. Like there was definitely a time where I would not have been having this conversation because we were so tight on money. Right. We were budgeting. I was definitely cleaning all the toilets myself. (laughs) We were definitely not going to Disney. Yeah. There was a phase of life and that was a very hard phase and I don't want to go back and I'm fully embracing and enjoying this phase now. Absolutely. I think that's a great place to wrap up. I do too. (laughs) No, thanks, Virginia. And thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Yep. See you next time.